according to Luke, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village, the Samaritan, to make ready for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciple James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to them, Foxes have holes, and birds have the ear of the ear have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And others said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my, at my home. Jesus said to him, No one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. <clears throat>
Abraham was old. Joseph was abused. Jacob went, or Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem, and he was a murderer. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab a prostitute. Noah a drunk. Jacob was a cheater. David was a rapist and murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Zacchaeus was money hungry. Paul, a Pharisee who persecuted Christians and had them killed, became a Christian himself. And that's not even talking about the disciples. Heck, God uses me. And as the Reverend Daniel Weber says, some days I feel used by God. God calls people from all backgrounds, despite their flaws and imperfections, and uses them for God's purpose. Elijah was a prophet from the northern kingdom of Israel. He proclaimed the message of Yahweh, the one God that is to be praised, instead of Baal, the one that so many in Cana were worshipping. Elijah was called by God to be a part of a, relig a major religi religious and political regime change amongst the kings. And I have to wonder if he questioned God. I mean, I would have, because that would not have been an easy or even safe thing for him to do. According to Dr. Daniel Hawk, professor of Old Testament and Hebrew at Ashland Theological Seminary in Ohio, in an article recently written, stated, Elijah was the quintessential outsider. He hails from a group of settlers across the Jordan in Gilead, and much of his story takes place within the geographical and social margins of Israel. He leads a meager existence manages to survive on food brought by scavenging ravens and on scant resources of a destitute widow living outside the boundaries of Israel. Isaiah was a solitary figure, by his own account, who stands in resolute and unwavering opposition to the principalities and powers of his time. Not an easy thing to do, and not an easy person to be. Every leader, political, social, sports teams, religious, has to wonder about the day when they will no longer be able to lead. I imagine Isaiah wondering who would be best suited for the position of prophet. I mean, he did pretty good. Elijah. The same one who was on the mountaintop during the transfiguration with Jesus and Moses. He is known as one of the great prophets, as opposed to some of our uh, readings in the Bible written by lesser prophets, that's their term. And when his time comes to step aside and turn the responsibility over to someone else, who will that person be? I'm sure he had a person in mind, at least the qualifications needed. Today, I'm sure we would ask the potential person, what school did you go to? 
What was your degree? What experience do you have in the profit business? And I mean profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, God has a plan. God always has a plan, and though sometimes those, cha those plans change, God still moves ahead. God um, lets I Isaiah in on a plan. Isaiah is to put in leadership, in a leadership position, two new kings. And then he is to find this guy, Elisha, as his replacement. Seems see simple enough. Elijah completes the first two tasks and then he finds Elijah. You thought the words were hard? Just wait till I have to do Elijah and Elisha back and forth. Elisha has to, uh, he see, finds Elisha and he has to wonder what God actually has in mind because Elisha is not like Elijah. Elisha comes from power and wealth. He comes from the upper class, not a group Elisha would necessarily hang out with or trust. Where Elijah had to fight for his voice to be heard, Elisha already had authority. In fact, one of the last verses from our reading, our first reading today, tells us of Elisha's financial situation that would differ from Elijah. Elijah found him working 12 yoke of oxen. Now remember, each yoke has two, so he would be working with 24 oxen. Imagine, my farmer's here. How big of a field would you have to need 24 oxen working? Unless you want to get the job done in about 10 minutes. What kind of loan would you have to take out to get that much power machinery? It appears that money isn't an issue for Elisha. Furthermore, when he decides to walk away, and that's what we're told he does, it would seem natural for us to sell the, the machinery, the oxen, and get what you can. He doesn't do that. He doesn't sell them. He slaughters them and feeds it to the people. Think about that financially. Again, from Dr. Hawk, Elijah and Elisha therefore occupy opposite ends of the social spectrum. They're contrasting personalities and social location confirm that God's calling is no receptor of persons. Or maybe I don't. Right. God chooses Elijah, the loner, to oppose arrogant power and chooses the well-connected Elijah to guide Israel's kings through complicated times. Consistent with other prophetic call narratives, Elisha receives his calling when he's not looking for it. He responds immediately and decisively, however, leaving the oxen and running after Elijah, asking only that he may kiss his father and mother. God calls God's people to many tasks, using the gifts given to them by God. 
It is easy to set aside, set aside, stand aside, and question if that person is competent enough, if that person actually is called to do God's work, and maybe even wonder the motives behind those people. Here at United, you have had many pastors, and I highly doubt any of them have been the same, and that's because of God. I've worked with a number of congregations, both as pastor and as a layperson, and none of them are alike. I mean, there might be similar personality traits in them, but they're not the same. And the truth is, I'm not sure I would want them to be the same. You are called to proclaim the message of Christ in the way that God has appeared to you, with the traits of God that have been open to you. Sure, you may use different language than I do, or have a different understanding than the next person. You may not be confident for a good public speaker. You may have an unblemished, you may not have an unblemished history. You may look different from what you expect someone proclaiming the message of God to look like, but God uses you too. I mean, look at the people of God called in the stories of the Bible. All very different, with very different experiences and different things to say. When I declare that you are all children of God, I say that knowing that none of you are alike and none of you will do God's work the same way. That's what makes the church beautiful. It is bringing in different voices, different colors, different understandings that make the church who she is. and opens our eyes to the greatness of God. Jonah refused to follow God. Elisha walked away from her to Boxen. The question is, how is God calling you in your life? What gifts have God given you to follow and to share God's word?